Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, recruiting, so on and so on. We got a little bit of news from all three fronts on Wednesday. This is recorded Thursday. You're probably listening in the next coming days. But Charles Matthews announced he was coming back. Jalen Wilson, a top 40 recruit, Michigan basketball's best recruit since 2014, announced that he was committing to Michigan. Uh, Zach Carpenter committed to the Wolverines, an offensive lineman from Cincinnati, jumps the Wolverines up to the number five class nationally. And so it's so a lot to talk about. And there's also some interesting offseason discussions. Uh, we had some good questions this week, so it's going to be pretty question heavy. I think we have eight or nine or ten that 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 actually are going to open up this discussion for us. So we'll start there. First and foremost, uh, trustworthy Joel, Joel Canadian says, is Michigan a basketball school? And I think uh, Florida State's coach shut it down this that when, when Michigan and uh, Florida State were meeting the Elite Eight in L.A. in the spring. He was like, I don't understand this con- contrived narrative. It just seems like it wants to diminish uh, <laughs> you know, the players at these schools. But yes, Michigan, John Beeline had probably one of his best days. Well, obviously making the Final Four in the championship game trumps it. But it's one of his best offseason days I can remember getting Charles Matthews back, getting Jalen Wilson. And we'll talk about Wilson, but really Wilson is is more of a a 2019-2020 benefit. Whereas Charles Matthews, he comes back. And Steve, you and I, I think we disagree but we both agree that Michigan, the, the Big Ten title is theirs for the taking right now. You know, based on the schedule, based on who they have coming back, based on what we know about Beeline and Michigan's development, uh, based on everything we can gather. Uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely on the table for Michigan to win a Big Ten title. So let's jump into to a couple other questions. Timo Go Blue says, with Matthews coming back, what will the starting five be? the first game of the Big Ten tournament. So so we're not talking opening season. We're talking about by the end. I still think it's going to be Xavier Simpson, Jordan Poole, Charles Matthews, uh, probably Isaiah Livers, and John Teske. The only alternatives are Brandon Johns, Ignis Brzezikis. Now, knowing that you can move Iggy and Matthews to multiple positions, and knowing that Brandon Johns, knowing what you know about him, and knowing what know by Isaiah Livers, is there any reason? Do you agree with my starting five, or do you think do you think that there is someone else, uh, or do you think someone else is going to supplant what what seems to be, frankly, a very very strong starting five with everyone having experience from last season? Uh, no, I think I'd probably agree with that. Um, <clears throat> I think Livers. You know, we talk about a lot about it. Just you know, this off season and maybe early into the next season will be really, really important for him because I just I think he needs to assert himself a little bit more on the offensive end. Uh, I think his defensive ability is kind of what kept him on the, the starting uh, on the floor last year. Uh, but, you know, Johns really is a guy, you know, maybe capable on both ends as well. So I, th- I think Livers is kind of the guy you look at and say, and he's got the ability too. That was kind of, I think, little I want to say frustrating but maybe a little bit watching him at points last year it was like you could see that he's got the ability I just think he I don't know if he was trying too hard to just kind of play within the system and not 
take a little bit of charge at that point because I think a lot of times offensively you just kind of sit in the corner and wait. Um, now, some of that is how Michigan uses its four, and I think that's right. a, a, at least a piece of why DJ Wilson left. Obviously, he was drafted high enough that, like, if that's what he was hearing, he should have left anyways. But, you know, there was talk about, like, he's not someone who was suddenly going to average 17 points a game. It's a tricky position that Michigan's still trying to figure out. But also, I think, I mean, even he said it. He was like, I, I think I asked him straight up, like, hey, you talk about how aggressive you're on, the, on rebounding. Is that something, you know, how do you apply that to your offensive game? He's like, I'm still trying to figure that out, you know, yeah, and, and see, do it every game, yeah. do it every play. Right. Because right? you're not always going to have your options, but you always do need to put yourself in that position. Right. So I was right. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's all, that's all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> uh, no, no, but no, that otherwise, no, I think, I think that's probably a pretty, I think the other, I would say the other four spots, I mean, you know, I'd be just because Simpson's so valuable on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that's you know that's because I think Eli Brooks is a guy that's going to take a big step forward next year. Um, You're on the Brooks train. Yeah, I like him. Okay, I think he's got I think he's got something to his game. I think the fact that I know it was like a playing a Philly team, you know, but he got some. He played some solid minutes in the national championship game. Uh, you know, I, and, and I think it's it's a test to how much the coaching staff trusts him uh, to put him in that type of spot. So, you know, I think he's a guy that's going to take a step forward next year too. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, it's really, really, really interesting because what I think four out of the five guys that they signed in 18 are, are guys who, who, I don't know, with the right progression could, could be year one level players when you throw to Julius and, uh, yeah. Uh, who am I missing? Well, Castle. I don't know about Castleton. I don't he's know. He's the one I didn't. He's the one I was. So you not, think Nunez could could contribute year one? As good as he could shoot the ball. I mean, I, they're not afraid to throw a guy in that can shoot the ball at least off the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as sort of a plug and play, uh, you know, guy that can find that sweet spot in the corner, get him the ball a couple times, get him some shots. So, um, well, they that need one, shooters. I mean, yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. So. I was right again, and so, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of the way I look at it. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. There's a lot of, like I said, though. I think with what they're bringing in, there's just a lot of really interesting pieces that, um, you know, we talk about this every year. It's like there's like you can see where the potential of this team already is, and what Beeline is so good at is kind of bringing that to fruition. You know, other coaches, other staffs maybe not able to do that as consistently as he has. So um, it's like, there's always question marks, but they're always, they always provide answers, I guess. Is the yeah. Best way to put it. Well, and, and Matthew's coming back answered the, the big one because if, right. if he had not come back, Michigan would not have a player who averaged more than 7.3, which was Xavier Simpson's average points per game last year. I yep. mean, it would be, it would be Simpson at 7.3 pool at 6.5. Points per game is not the only metric of success, but I mean, you're talking about a team that had four, you know, had a core of four really strong day to day in, day out offensive and defensive contributors, and they're all gone. You know, that's that's putting a lot of pressure on on someone. I mean, I don't know who Michigan's best player would be. I mean, you'd probably guess Jordan Poole, but that would be a total. Well, maybe not right. a total because he does have a lot of potential, but it'd be it'd be a significant shot in the dark. You know, to well, just be, be potential like potential based. 
yeah. like you said, he has a lot of potential, but there's no guarantee there. You he know, hasn't, he hasn't. I mean, you know, he was getting pulled out of NCAA tournament games because of defensive lapses, and and there were you know NCAA tournament games he hit the shot against Houston, but there were other games where he couldn't hit anything, and, and it happened in the Big Ten tournament too. And so, so you know, and let's let's dive into this next question because I'm getting a, a lot of heat. I think I haven't read the comments. I'm a little scared too. But I did the Big Ten power rankings after these decisions. And by the way, the Big Ten, a lot of big wins. They had 12 players declare without signing an agent, which means that they could theoretically come back. And 11 of them did. Kevin Herter did not. But Juwan Morgan, James Palmer, Tyler Cook, Ethan Happ, uh, Bruno Fernando, Nick Ward, Charles Matthews. Who am, I, who am I missing? I mean, obviously, Nogel Eastern. Carson Edwards is a big one. You Bruno know, Fernando. I said him. Oh, you did. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was um, attention. But so a lot of lot of players came back. A lot of players came back, and so I think the Big Ten's going to be better next season because there are some good recruits coming in too. I believe there are four or five top forty recruits coming in. Ignis Brzdykas is one of them. Uh, you know, obviously Romeo Langford. <laughs> if, if things go well for him, he might be like an All Big Ten kind of player already, and so. Anyway, uh, I think quick, generally. Oh, go ahead. Kevin Herter, I think he can. I think he's going to be a player in the NBA. You agree with me on that one? Yeah, I like him. Yeah, I mean, he, he did really well at the combine. I I, yeah. I think yeah, I think that is one of those like borderline decisions. I think I think he made the right choice. I think he's going to play in the pros. I think he's got the type of game that works right now in the NBA. Yeah, I think he'll be a first-round pick. So I agree. Just he'll get, wanted to, he'll get the shot. To say but yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm seeing, you know, I don't know what in the world's going to happen with Penn State. Penn State's recruiting the past two classes atrocious. Minnesota, uh, I like their starting five. I do not like their head coach or their or their bench. You know, in Northwestern, I have no idea what they're going to do. Illinois, they lost eight players this off season, so not quite sure what they're going to do. But then there's like eight teams that I think are in or NCAA tournament caliber teams. And that's Wisconsin. I think they're going to be better. Davison, Demetric Trice, Kobe King, Nate Roivers, all year old. I mean, they return everybody, everybody that was significant. Iowa could be a tournament team. They return their top nine scorers. Ohio State probably have to just believe Chris Holtman's going to be fine with that team no matter what happens. Uh, um, blinking now. Purdue. Same thing, Matt Painter, you know Carson Edwards. I don't think they're, don't think they're going to be last season's team, but think they'll be solid. You know, Indiana with Jawan Morgan, Romeo Langford, and Deron Davis healthy. That's that could be, you know, in that in that upper echelon. For now, I have them kind of in that second group. You know, but then there's, to me, there's Maryland. three teams. Yeah, Maryland. You know, you might put Maryland in that second group. Because I don't, I'm not overly over the moon impressed with Turgeon, and I think Justin yeah, I Jackson. Yeah. I mean, they do. They have Anthony Cohen. They have Bruno Fernando. Yeah. They have oh, is it Jalen Smith? Is their yeah. their five star guy? Um, you know, and they're gonna they're they have they're tied with Michigan and Michigan State with the most top 150 players on their roster. Former top 150 recruits. I did the math. Uh, those those three teams have nine. I think they're gonna be a step below. And I really do think the Big Ten, unless someone, you know, on a, on a solid team comes in and is just 
infinitely better than advertised. You know, if Romeo Langford's the, uh, the next Kevin Durant or something, that's different. But right now, right now, I see it as this is a Michigan, Michigan State Big Ten. And I, when I did the rankings, I waffled like crazy going back and forth on Nick Ward, Cassius Winston, Josh Langford, and the Spartans versus the Wolverines. And I ultimately picked Michigan State, and, but but apparently I pissed a lot of people off. Um, although I imagine if a Michigan writer had put Michigan as number one over a solid Michigan State team, I would have pissed just as many people off. They just wouldn't have been the people on our board. Uh, right. So, so I you know it sounded like before the show when we were discussing this, you think Michigan is number? You would put Michigan number one? I think so. I think Matthews coming back is the difference. I think I think did, did we kind of come to an agreement that. What it is with Michigan State, you know, like for our fans on the board, maybe Michigan fans in general, uh, is that it's Josh Langford has been terrible in, I want to say, every game he's played against Michigan. And I think, so I think it's, he's kind of a forgotten returnee, I guess for them in a way uh if you're a Michigan fan well and he also has not he's averaged 11.7 points and three rebounds but he he has not been a top 15 recruit that he was right well what I'm so what I'm saying it I guess I just two things to me I, I think the return of Matthews obviously but also I just it's hard not to feel like Michigan's not going to win that battle at point guard uh as long as Simpson is there just because he's just such a better uh, he's so good at locking Winston up, and I think Winston's kind of the straw that that stirs that drink uh, for for them. So, you know, and then you take in, you know, Michigan. What better recruiting class coming in too? Uh, yeah, both but comparable. Both are good. Both are yeah. both are really good. no. Both are really good. Uh, but you know, I, I and then just that. Who do they Who do they have on their roster that maybe takes that step that a guy like Poole takes? You know, I think Poole is is that easy pick to be the next big leap uh, under Beeline, you know. And, and, again, we'll see where that leap is defensively, but particularly on the offensive end. So I, I, I don't hate your pick on that. I can see it. I just – I don't – I feel like Michigan maybe outside of – but, but Tes, even Teske, you know, I think is, is a becoming and becoming a force defensively. Uh, I just think Michigan's not a great matchup for Michigan State. So head to head, I'd take Michigan. That that, yeah, I, that I didn't actually waffle right. that much on. I mean, right. between Xavier Simpson licking his fingers at this matchup and between Charles Matthews, you know, I mean, they're going to have an all-time smack smack talk team this year, Michigan. Right. And I think right. I think we saw in New York, you know, I don't know what Teske and and Jordan Poole are going to look like, but Matthews and Simpson, they take this they take this very seriously. I mean, they're they're yeah. they're the kind of guys, Michigan fans, you know, the old school Michigan fans who kept being like, Beeline's teams are soft. They just settle for three pointers. They don't play tough. You know, I think it was an overplayed narrative. Yep. Simpson and Matthews sure do. No, they sure play tough. Yeah. Pool talks. Yeah, I think there's. Yeah, he's got that early '90s NBA trash talk ability. That you know, he I think he brings that to the table. You know, talking about Jordan Poole, yeah, yeah. Guys like Barkley, Peyton, you know, those guys that just do nothing. I mean, I'm, I know there are guys in the league that still talk trash, but that's what I always kind of associate that era of NBA with, 
you know, some of the best trash, even bird. I mean, bird was like a legendary trash talker actually. So, uh, yeah, he kind of reminiscent of those types of guys to me, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it's one and two with them. So I, I, I think in that case, I think, you know, didn't Michigan kind of draw the better schedule this year? Like they did. Oh, Michigan, State, so, Michigan State drew a much, much easier schedule last year. Yeah, so so a couple things. One, if I'm picking if I if I were to place a bet on who will win the regular season Big Ten title next year, I will I would put my bet on Michigan. If I was placing a bet between, you know, Michigan and Michigan State head to head who wins, I would put my bet on Michigan. So in that sense, I'm sure a lot of listeners are like, well, why the heck are you putting Michigan State ahead? And I think it's, to me, it comes down to the fact I, when I do these rankings, like someone, someone asked me a question today, you know, would you trade Simpson for Winston if you were, if you were a GM? I don't think I would. May, I would consider it. Actually, I would consider it because he, Winston's a pretty solid offensive player. I mean, he was the most efficient right. offensive player in the Big Ten last year. But Ward for, for Matthews, you probably, trade make sure you have Matthews on your team and Langford yeah, for Poole absolutely. you probably get Poole but we actually know what Ward Winston and Langford are going to look like as the big three we don't know exactly what Simpson Poole and Matthews are going to look like we think we know what Matthews is going to look like I mean he he showed me a lot in the early season and then in, in the NCAA tournament but Poole I mean I mentioned he was still getting pulled from from games and Simpson, I think I said this before before the, the show, you know, how many of his points last year, because he's a great defender, but you do need to score to keep, you know, other opposing defenses honest. How many of his points last year were because Michigan had spread the floor so well with Mo Wagner and Duncan Robinson, who they don't have this year? You know, and, and then as a, as a whole, Michigan, I, I have a couple stats if you're ready for them. So Michigan's returning Wolverines shot 131 for 404 from three-point range. That's a 32.4% clip. And then they're at the free throw line, I know some people are sick of hearing about the free throws, but they shot the returning Wolverines shot 59.2%. Now, I don't think Michigan's going to be that low as a team next year, but the returning players, I mean, they lose guys who could really make Michigan's offense hum with their shooting ability right now, you know, the three point shooting, the returning players, not good. That's not a big 10 championship winning three point percentage, you know, and same with the free throws, their defense could be a top five defense again, right? Frankly, could be number one defense in the country. If, if everyone clicks the way, you know, we've, we've come to expect from beeline. And that's the other thing is, you know, you know, someone like Jordan Poole, what if he struggles again? You know, this, it's not like, you know, you, it's easy to look at him and be like, oh, it looks a lot like Nick Stauskas, you know, statistically and, and in style of play. But it's another thing entirely for him to actually look like Nick Stauskas as a sophomore. So for me, I think until I see them shoot better, until I see Xavier Simpson and Jordan Poole kind of be game to game consistent offensive players. And until I see what what's happening at that four position. You know, I, I think. It gives me a little bit of pause as for which team did. will be better. I think you did a good job making your case. I don't. I still don't agree, but no one, I see where no you're one, coming from. No one on our site will agree with me. I, oh I, no! I assume there'll be a lot of rational. I'm nervous. I, to, I'm nervous. I got downvoted, but I haven't checked I yet. Um, <laughs> like you got the uh, like. Here's this one. 
someone's been drinking the ESPN Kool-Aid. They're referring to you, and it's ESPN <laughs> with a dollar sign in the S. So I don't understand. Got, got you. <laughs> Plus, got you. don't Michigan State fans hate ESPN more than anybody? <laughs> well, that's what that was. That was kind of one of the ironies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, no, I, I would take Michigan, but you know, I right, so I, like I, I said, I wouldn't trade Michigan's roster, and I wouldn't trade Michigan. It's it's kind of a weird. I don't know if I articu- or if I'm articulating this well. I would not trade Michigan's team, and I would not trade John Beeline for Tom Izzo if I were putting if I were like you know, doing franchise mode in, in 2K or whatever. And then I would also not pick Michigan State head-to-head. And frankly, looking at this schedule, I would not pick Michigan State to finish with a better Big Ten record. But there's just a part of me that I'm just not – I have a little bit of a pause saying Michigan is better than Michigan State right now because I think there's a couple things I want to see. That said, I do think Michigan's a top-20 team. I think that their their ceiling is exactly where they were last year. You know, and that's and that could not have been said if Matthews didn't come back. I think their ceiling was second weekend without Matthews. And that's if a whole lot of things click. But with nobody, no multi-year starters returning, everyone was a first-year starter last year. None of them were, you know, the the three biggest players on the team. Matthews was at times, but he, you know, I think in the last 2 months of the season, that was a team driven by Wagner, Abdurrahman, and, and Robinson. You know, both on the on the court, on in practice, you know, off the court. So, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, think I think again, pretty good team. I guess I'm just I'm just as as that one guy said, drinking the E dollar sign PN Kool Aid a little bit more. Yeah. No. Yeah. Keep <laughs> E dollar sign. That's yeah. I'm going to have to call. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, if that's the worst comment that there is, then, then I'll be all right. Um, but we also got a recruiting question because Jalen Wilson did commit. I think he's, he fits beeline system to a T. They got a little lucky that he happens to, you know, have grown up rooting for Michigan named after Jalen Rose, but absolutely great fit. Uh, can break any kind of defense. Yeah. I think they're his high school coach said that they haven't uh, no one's run a zone defense against them in three years because he's just he's just going to shoot over everybody. You know, he can score from all three levels. Uh, and so vote Quimby 13 asked, would adding, adding DJ Carton make 2019 John Beeline's best recruiting class? Statistically, based on the scoring metrics, no. I You, you know, it's only two people, so it's not going to be that highly rated of a class. But I would imagine, given how well those two fit, I would think that would be like the best class in the sense of immediate impact, you know, because both those guys could be one and done type players. And Michigan hasn't had very many of those. And and I think it would be I think it would compare very much to when they had Mitch McGarry and Glenn Robinson, you know, and that these guys, they're going to come in. And as long as they're in a Michigan uniform, Michigan is going to be a top 10 ish team. And so. So, you know, by the way, DJ Carton, point guard from Iowa, uh, his top six is Michigan, Indiana, Ohio State, Marquette, Iowa, and I can't, I honestly can't remember the other one, but his main top three is Ohio State, Indiana, Michigan. Uh, Steve, any thoughts on 2019? I, I know, I know we're both big fans of Jaden McDaniels. Uh, hasn't been anything new on that front other than that McDaniels is a beast. Also, 
you know, still Michigan's being smart, you know, in case DJ Carton doesn't work out, they're still keeping tabs on Rocket Watts, Joe Girard. Um, you know, they're, they're looking at, you know, guys like Max Agbanco. I don't know if Agbank Polo is his name. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're in the Vernon Carey lottery, so to speak. Don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, is there any Keon Brooks sounds like he's going to Michigan state or Kentucky. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else, it's kind of a small class, so. but it's going to be a, it, no matter who they end up with, it's going to be, you know, it's going to pack a punch. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, best recruiting class ever. I don't, doesn't always have to be, you know, like a four or five man group necessarily. Uh, so with that, in, I mean, I, I can see the argument for a, even the two-man class of Wilson and Carton being up there because of what you said. I mean, this is a not a different level of talent they're bringing because they've brought in a ton of talented players over the years. But maybe, I mean, maybe though, I mean, this, these guys are on a, are the types of guys that three or four years ago, even after their first, let's say before their first run, you know, it was they had their one sweeping. The one class was at the Robinson. Yeah. Well, and that, that was, was such luck, you know, that they all happened to like, you know, Glenn knew Mitch and Mitch knew Spike, and right, and that. Well, not only that, but that Robinson had a huge senior year after he committed to Michigan and worked his way up the rankings because he wasn't that highly ranked when he first, you know, verbally committed yeah, either. That's so, true. Well, and um, like they got really lucky with Lavert and and yeah. Nick Stauskas. So hey, I don't think I don't think John Beeline would say it was luck though. Right. No, no, but I know what you mean though. You know, when they, he's they, ranked 232nd, it's like, right. and he becomes the 19th overall pick. I mean, right. even Beeline would say, like, yes, everything went our way in that situation because, like, I yeah, agree. he probably saw it and was like, oh, this guy can be good, but there's no way he was saying this guy can be a first round pick. Right. But yeah, so I could see it. Um, you know, I think, I think they're on the verge of maybe being able to do that year in and year out though. Uh, they might be there. I think, yeah, I think it's right. But I, I mean, sustain it for a couple classes, yeah. you know, and we'll see. Uh, but again, that's kind of the thing is like, if you're a Michigan basketball fan right now, you're like, well, okay. If they do it. Okay. If they don't, okay. We've won <laughs> either way. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like whoever it, they do, whoever they do fill in with, but I, yeah, I guess probably at the same time though, people they are, People are that think, okay, well, we've been on the cusp twice. Now it'd be one of these, you know, big timers and maybe be the type that'll push it over the top. They can finally bring home, you know, the big one. So yeah, maybe, um, you know what I mean? Let so, me ask you this. I mean, if Michigan made the final four this season, one to 10, how surprised would you be? This upcoming season? Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, I'm geez. sitting at like a four. I don't. Like I'm not expecting them. I wouldn't predict that, but I think I, I don't think I would be all that surprised. And then that that just speaks to like you know if they make three Final Fours in eight seasons or two Final Fours in two seasons, it's like, and then they bring in this class. You know, right. back to that question we kind of glossed over it a little bit, but from trustworthy Joel says is Michigan basketball school. I mean, I think that's the definition of a basketball school that over the next three seasons you almost expect the Wolverines to make at least one final four and maybe 
two. Right. And maybe even, right. may, you know, three is probably asking a little much for four straight Final Fours, but. Um, I, I guess, like, basketball school, football school, uh, I just don't really subscribe to that. Oh, stuff. I agree. Yeah, we, that's because why we kind of really, shut it down. All it really means is which sport of the two major sports currently has a better team than the <laughs> other one. Like that's really all that that means. So question and, uh, in, if that's what it means, is Michigan a basketball school? Well, yeah, they just won the national championship. Okay. Game. I mean, that's so you, like, and they won the big well, 10 championship. Look the at the next three years. years in a row. Oh boy. Next three years. Uh, see, that's the thing is like, I think football's going to close the gap for sure. Okay. You know, cause I think, like I said, I think basketball is at a point where things are sustained. Uh, football right now, I think they finally figured out their quarterback issue. You know, I don't think they'll ever have a quarterback situation as bad as it was last year, right? So uh, I think this is kind of you a imagine if it, if it did happen again, but yeah, boy, I mean they'd have to have three or four guys get hurt, and at that point, then you're just like, then it's just unlucky, um, you know. So not that anybody is willing to entertain the idea of luck. Uh, or unlucky. No, being no, it's all skill if they have three quarterbacks right. here. Yeah, no, they. It was that. It was their trip to uh, yeah. yes. Paris <laughs> that really hurt. Uh, ended up, yeah. They did they less and said more, and they didn't prove it yeah. on the field. And they they, they spent all this time in Paris. Yeah, they weren't focusing. They were too busy eating croissant. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know not. That's uh, why they tore their enough. ACL. Yeah, yeah, not watching enough film. So, um, so yeah, basketball, football, school stuff. That's just like that's like. No, it's fan-driven kind of it stuff. Yeah. Like, but but yeah. I think if I were guessing, I think I think until I mean I I know I just made fun of these fans, but like until football shows like if they show this year, you know if they if they're like right in it, if they're a top five team, then then I could probably change my mind. Um, and it very well could happen. I don't think it's unrealistic for that to happen. And I guess to that same question. One to ten, how surprised would you be if Michigan made the college football playoff? It's probably even between basketball and and football right now. So, uh, you think so? I, I I just I think going into it, I think I would not agree. I would I would be less surprised with basketball going back than I would football making it this year. Sorry, but that's just be- I think I misspoke. I meant the next three years. Oh yeah. Oh, in that case, then yeah, then I agree. Yeah. I think it's even at that. Absolutely, I think it's even at that point like, for sure. And it's so. even, and it's in a sense where you're expecting at least one. I think so. You never I know what's going to happen. I think football, yeah. it's tricky because it's like Ohio State. You know, you don't get to have a rematch against Ohio State in the in the NCAA tournament like you do for you could theoretically for basketball. Right. Um, you know, and that's where you know it's like Beeline. You know, he he doo-dooed the bet at, at Northwestern. And he do right. the bet at Ohio State, and not just him, but the team. But they grew Doo-doo. from it. You don't get to do well. In case there's yeah. younger people listening to the podcast, uh, uh, <laughs> but you know he didn't. He, you know Harbaugh won't get that those growing opportunities. So it's a different dynamic. Uh, but let's switch to football. Got a couple lightning round ish questions first from Just for Beer Six. Why did Shea transfer? Uh, in reference to him supposedly being a top ten NFL draft pick, why not stick it out for another year? Hey, let's not let's not bash this guy either. I think he just must not have maybe doesn't realize like what was going on at Ole Miss, right? Gotta be. <laughs> maybe. So so the big thing and, and I think Shea Patterson discussed it this weekend, uh they're not gonna play for a bowl game this year. 
And and Patterson was like, you know, it's one thing to not win the national championship. It's another thing to go into the season knowing that you can't win. Yeah. And so so he's a competitive guy. I mean, most D1 athletes are. Not everyone wants to uproot and leave their situation, but he did. Uh, you know, and I think I think he he I don't know if he grew up as a Michigan fan. I don't know if that's quite fair. Uh, he he not, grew up in Toledo. Not, it's not uh I mean back in back when way back in the day, I mean he was it was one of the first cycles I covered recruiting. There were he's friends with a couple guys. He I think he used to play on the USA like they had the youth like USA football team, couple of the kids. Okay that were involved in that I had Michigan was interested and I did some good interviews with, and I would probably say that um, if all things had been even to say like, you know, his brother was kind of looking for a position somewhere uh, you remove that from the equation. I could have easily seen him at Michigan to begin the process. Uh, I think it was just more that uh, LSU between LSU and um Ole Miss, well, and and Arizona, because that's where he was com- uh, verbally committed to begin. Uh, you know, it was kind of a deal where this happens all the time in college football. This isn't some like crazy, weird, Under shady. The table. Yeah, yeah, no, it happens all the time. Uh, I think when you know Florida State signed uh, Mar or brought on Mario Edwards, either his dad or his brother, back when he was the number one recruit in the country. Um, you know, to get him like an analyst type position or whatever. So I think right. that played a factor in where he ended up signing. Um, if if you remove that from the equation, I absolutely think Michigan would have either they'd either been the choice or they'd have been really really close because I do think there were you know we were I had always been told that he did have an affinity for the program growing and, up and and sure. that affinity is is relevant because he you know when he was injured and at Ole Miss and. It's kind of like, man, they're really not going to play in the postseason. This is kind of a, a crap situation. He he at least follows Michigan. You know, whether he's a fan or not, you know, whatever, that's a, that's a different debate. But he at least was aware that Michigan very much looked like a quarterback away from a good team last year. And he I was agree. very much aware of, you know, the four or five star talented receivers and tight ends. And I think so. I think he saw an opportunity. I think Michigan uh, I don't know who started the conversation. I I think it was probably someone in between, but you know, Michigan needed a quarterback. Patterson did not want to play for a team that couldn't win a title. Michigan, not saying they will, not predicting anything, but they could win a title this year. They're on that select list of like 10 or 12 teams that could right. feasibly paper, win a title. On paper, yeah. they're capable of winning a title. Right. And so, so that's why I transferred. Uh, I, and you know, I think that's, that's been documented, so uh, not not to you know call you out just for beer, but um, that I think he said it this weekend again that it was it was the opportunity to win a title, you know, not even like in the sense of like Michigan's there, just like to have something to play for. I mean, I'm always amazed when schools that are under those postseason penalties are able to keep so many players because like, you know, I know Penn State lost a lot, but I thought they would have lost even more considering they had like you know next to nothing to play for for a couple of years and and you can go down the list uh but Patterson did not want to be in that situation so uh another football question oh we did get one just before we started recording I'll throw it by you in a second but David Herrick has asked uh two weeks in a row Michigan versus MSU on the depth chart 
probably an, an in-depth conversation, probably going to wait till closer to the season, but I think we can run through it now. I, I would think Michigan's defense cornerbacks, you know, maybe who, who I don't even know who's Michigan state safeties are, but, but you know, secondary linebacker, defensive line, give the edge to Michigan, even though Michigan state brings back a lot defensively. I think so. Yeah. Uh, receivers, that's that show it on the field. I'd probably take Michigan State's because they have actually shown something. Right. It's kind of go back to the defense though. It's like kind of one of those things where I think you'd you'd have to take Michigan's units across the board, but they're not all like by like a long shot or anything like that. You know what I mean? Where it's like I think Michigan's units individually, each one of them are better, but they're not all. Miles, but I mean, Michigan yeah. State's gonna, it's not like a four really nothing good, sweep. It's like they're gonna have a good defense yeah. this year, absolutely, with some of the guys they bring back. You know, so. they lead the nation in on in uh, SB Nation. They do a returning productivity rating that like counts like tackle. You know, all the various stats. They lead the nation in returning productivity. Doesn't surprise me. Um, I mean, they really didn't lose anybody, especially with Scott coming back. So yeah, well yeah. So do you take Scott over Higdon Evans? Oh man. Um. That's a tough one. I, 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 the only reason I would say no is just because you named two people against one. Yeah. I guess I would maybe take Scott over each of those guys individually, but as a unit, I think you would take Michigan's. Also, LJ Scott's like the reverse Josh Lakeford. Yeah. He like torches Michigan. So everyone's like, oh, he's such a B. I mean, he's very good. But, you know, they're like that. By the way, I looked it up. Langford in four games against Michigan has 11 points. Total? On, yeah, on 12 that's, shots. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, it's just he's non-existent against Michigan, and I think it kind of uh, shades Michigan fans' view of him well, returning like when, as like a legit contributor. Remember last year when we had, like, the board kept, like, mass downvoting anything positive I wrote about Penn State or McSorley because, oh, you know, they funny. were like yeah. – and I was right, by the way. Um, oh, absolutely. If, if we all agree yeah. with you. It was readers that wouldn't accept that Penn State, A, he was going to be good, that B, Penn State was going to be good. Yeah. And that was all clouded by how badly they beat them the year before. Yeah. Know, where realistically, they probably could have put up 70 points in that game if they hadn't pulled their starters in the third quarter. So, um, Else, but yeah. I was going to say, say, yeah. Scott, no, I, I could see. I think you. I agree with you on Scott. I think. I, that's a tough one, though. That might be one of the closest ones, really, mm-hmm. running back, I think. Yeah, so I take. I think I'd take, I mean, again, Patterson can show everyone what he can do in the fall, but right now I'd take Lewerke over Patterson, I think. Um, despite, that's a close one, too. Despite the potential, I think Lewerke big, has hashtag proved it on the field a little bit more. I think Lewerke, I, I'm a big Lewerke fan. I was a Lewerke, Lewerke fan when he was being recruited. Uh, Michigan got in too late, tried to recruit him. Um, so was he highly touted? What, where, where did he rank? I want to say he was a low. If, I'd have to go back. I want to say that we had 24-7. We had him as a low four-star. Uh, you know, they Michigan liked him, though. I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, that, but I think Michigan State either either he had connection there or they got in really early. Um, but either way, it was a guy I kind of pegged as maybe the next guy for them, and it's sort of coming to fruition there. And And again, it's like, it's he's like the other guys they had where that's just like 
somehow they they I mean they have their big days, but then in the big games too, outside of Ohio State for them last year, just always seems to find a way to you know like how he like somehow rolls over a lineman to get that key first down mm-hmm. uh you know like just always like finding a way to to do it i guess um yeah, so that's a skill that's no just I, luck, think, yeah. I think yeah the, the more you the more you do it the less you can point at luck being the driver behind it so i still think that's a tough one though and that, i say that as somebody who i think i'm higher on the than most people are mm-hmm. um but I agree. Offensive line. It's got to be Michigan State. Yeah. And then I think so. tight ends. Michigan. Okay. So, and then special teams. Oh, boy. I don't even I say Michigan I'm going to say has. Michigan only because I expect Michigan to take big steps forward on special teams. I mean, I think in a way, because of like, because I think the issues on offense were mostly quarterback driven. I think special teams will and wide receiver are the two spots. I think you'll see the biggest leaps at due to just the fact that they're going to be much more experienced across the board at those spots. Like, again, I've said this a hundred times, like seeing, I think people's Jones will take arguably a bigger leap in the return game than he did, than he will at receiver. And I expect him to take a big leap at receiver uh, just because you know, I think he just needed to get his feet under him a little bit and, and learn. You know, that's not <laughs> Yeah, ask Cincinnati if he needed to learn a little bit about punt returns. <laughs> right, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it, his indecisiveness, you know, costs them in, in a few different situations. So I think just repetition and knowing, again, you know, he probably is one of the two or three best athletes every time he steps on the field, but he's not a billion times better than everybody else like he was in high school where mm-hmm. he could just afford to just do what he wanted type thing again these are things we've talked about quite a few times but uh, so i think between that i think nordine as a field stretcher as a guy that can get you some points when you need it uh i think i would i would take michigan in in that one too okay so overall we take michigan i think i think you take michigan in a couple more than i do but still michigan has the edge in in the position by position breakdown and this it kind of sounds similar to the basketball discussion where it's like, oh, would you take Matthews or Ward? Would you take Teske or Marcus Bingham? Or would you take, you know, Isaiah right. Livers or Xavier? You know, you're breaking it down. Michigan has the edge. Do you give yeah, Michigan an edge over Michigan State as a football team right now? Well, that's the thing is, like, it's in East Lansing. So that will, mm-hmm. that, that will matter. Yeah. Um, you know, because I that's – and like I say, like, when you talk about, like, how good – like how Michigan's defense, how you would take each of those units, but it's not by a lot. Um, I mean, think about it. I think every unit that I would have listed Michigan over Michigan State, I think it's a deal where I don't think the gap is that huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe tight end, maybe. But even then, you know, we'll see. A wide receiver, like I say, I think you would give State a significant edge right now based, like you said, solely on the production they bring back. Michigan, again, I think that would be a situation where Michigan will close the gap and maybe quickly as the season unfolds. But, um, you know, I'd, I, as a football, that's a thing. Is like it's it's one of those things where it's like you're almost picking the game right now. Uh, I think on paper I would take Michigan over Michigan State this year. But I, that doesn't mean that I think that Michigan is going to go in and win that game, at least as things stand today, just because, mm-hmm. again, they 
Michigan still has to get that away game monkey off their back. I mean, well, like, still... I don't think they're thinking about the streak, but they just no. have a tar- tough time showing up on the road. Right. They do. Again, against yeah. legit, you know, not trying to downplay their win a couple of years ago against state on the road, but that was obviously a, a not that that was the exception. Well, and honestly, is done. it's not even just the good teams. You know, that Maryland True. game, people were worried that Indiana's taken them to overtime twice in Bloomington. Purdue, Minnesota, you know, on Halloween. I, somehow John O'Corn saved. The, that was it's, it's going to go down as one of the weirdest games in Michigan, you know, recent recent history. But, you know, Purdue had them by the ropes for, for a moment. Uh, Utah beat them. Um, uh, yeah, as you said, the Minnesota game. You know, Penn State game in 2015 wasn't that close, but it was it was it was an interesting one. Uh, you know, and, and Penn State blitzed them again with the with that ridiculous drive early on, and then um, so yeah, I mean even even see, you know other than that Rutgers game, <laughs> that Michigan State game in 2016, I'm not in I'm not I can't recall a smooth sailing road game that Michigan has had under Harbaugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I was literally thinking in my head right now, like, but, but go past Harbaugh. Like yeah. it's been forever since any Michigan team, 12 years, 16 a, games since they beat a ranked team on the road. Man, that is, that's oh, and bad. 16 is, and then pitiful. like I said, that's, that's where it's one of those things where it's like, it's hard to sit here and predict <laughs> They're going to win three this year. One. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, I think, I, again, and that's where I, could, I would say on paper, but the games, as we know, as we know, they are not played on paper. Shut up and they're prove it on, on the a, field. Yeah, they're played on a field with people. <laughs> so it's like, because on paper, I would say that Michigan has a better roster than Notre Dame, and I would say that Michigan has a better roster than Michigan State. And I would say that I think the gap is closer with Ohio State, strictly roster-wise, than it ever has been. And you'd put them ahead of Penn State and Wisconsin based on what they bring back. On, again, on paper, yeah. right? So it's, and that's it's, but they were eleven and one on paper last year too. Right. Well, well it was some youth. So. And if no you, way. And if you'd known that it was going to be three different starting quarterbacks, you probably don't pick them at that high. But well. See, that's, that goes back to the whole, you know, the question that we loved to ask last year was if Spade had stayed healthy, would Michigan have beaten Michigan State and Ohio State? And I still think the answer is yes. Spot but, one, yeah. You know, they, they put it this way, they'd almost certainly won at least one of those two games, for sure. Yeah, I agree. If Spade well, had been and, healthy for both of them. And we know. had this debate today, you know, about does Michigan beat Ohio State if JT Barrett's healthy? So, like, they're not like it's, – it's kind of like the reverse of last year – where it's not like it's like this people want to build this insurmountable gap They're like oh you were 8 and 5 you know to Michigan Michigan was 8 and 5 they were such garbage they couldn't beat anybody but you know it's football does not it's not a finite it's not an infinite you know gap here it's 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 little right. pieces in the margins here and there but we can move on to recruiting cuz we did get a few recruiting questions uh Oh, we also do have a football one. I might save it for the end because I haven't actually read it or thought about it yet. But Michigan Pat says, can you guys expand a bit on the Luke Deal thing? How does Auburn, of all places, land him? Uh, So Luke Deal, 
number one was he the number one tight end in the 2019 class no he was michigan's i would say he's michigan's top target oh, okay so. okay but but a big deal so to speak um uh, <laughs> so what 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 happened? I mean, should Michigan fans be disappointed? Because no. I don't remember him being a uh, finalist or Michigan being a finalist. But Auburn is kind of a weird, a no, weird. They were setup. A finalist. It was it was Michigan, Auburn, and Notre Dame. Um, okay. I mean, so somebody mentioned because I mean I can tell you for a fact that I know Michigan believed that depth chart played an issue for both them and Notre Dame, um, and someone mentioned you know Auburn's got some couple tight ends in their roster or something like that. But, I mean, they really just don't use them. The one thing I wondered, I don't know. I mean, this can always be a factor. What's the one other big difference between Auburn versus Michigan and Notre Dame? I actually don't know. The oh, weather. It's closer so, to Greenwood, South Carolina, that's for sure. Well, that, <laughs> that's what, is he's, he's a South Carolina kid. Sometimes you wonder. Uh, you never know, right? And, like, because I, I mean, it's – Hard not to rack your brain a little bit. And this isn't just a Michigan thing. I'd say the same thing about Notre Dame. Like, both of those schools, when you go back, not, you know, Michigan under Harbaugh, obviously, with a Mackey winner, but going back to what he did at Stanford with a tight end, and Notre Dame's track record at tight end is is arguably, I think I'd say Michigan slash Stanford under Harbaugh, Stanford now, Notre Dame, and then Clemson, who ironically was the other, probably the fourth school, Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the four best tight end programs year in and year out in the country, I would say. I mean, you could probably throw like Wisconsin and Iowa in there, but as far as like pro production, um, those schools are, and, and like I said, Harbaugh, Stanford, and Michigan are producing pros uh, almost every year. And so it's kind of like, yeah, like I agree, it's kind of an odd choice. Uh, but again, I mean, you know, he, I assume, much like you could see schools will do at any other position, basically handed him the keys to the car and said, you know, you're the only tight end we're going to take. You're going to play right away, which, again, the path to play right away at at Auburn, far easier than the other two programs. And, uh, you know, here's how we're going to use you. So, again, it's what – will it turn into an Isaac Nauta situation where he's – maybe targeted or thrown the ball as much as he was led on to during his recruitment. It's hard to say. I don't, I don't, I'm unclear. I don't know if Michigan will stay on this one. I kind of have a hunch that they will, but I'm not, that's not a fact for me. Like that's more of an opinion right now. Um, But yeah, it was just more of a, I don't know, peculiar choice, but here's the thing. Auburn was in it from the beginning though, too. It's not as if they popped up at the end. Yeah swiped him uh they were a factor from the beginning so you know i think it's a combination of depth chart i think weather i think it plays some factor i don't know if it's ever the deciding factor but it can't hurt and then like i said uh you know you're the guy michigan at michigan they their fate they like to pitch the tight ends like hey we play five or six tight ends a game so you're you're gonna see the field at some point auburn can say you're literally the only tight end that's going to be. <laughs> and yeah. That, you know what I mean? so, no, I, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like when, yeah, like you're basically pitching either you're a part of this great unit ways. or right. you're yeah. our guy. So by the way, there's Auburn, no way yeah, go ahead. One tight end draft pick since 1993. That was in 2015 when CJ Uzoma, Uzoma, who had a, 
not a, not a great career there either. I saw that piece that our, our Auburn affiliate, ironically, if I was the Auburn staff, I would not have been happy about <laughs> them posting this piece of the last like 12 tight ends that Auburn has signed when the production at that position was next to none. Um, you know, kind of almost negatively recruiting uh, in a way, uh, the, the own program that they cover, you know, but yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I, I it is, it's kind of one of those things I could see both sides of the coin there. Uh, you know, if you're Michigan, you know, it's just, you can't, there's just no way you could argue that strictly speaking, as far as like preparing you to play at the NFL level, you know, there's no way you could argue that Auburn is a better better than Michigan or Notre Dame in that regard. You yeah. know, so kind of an interesting choice. Interested to see. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a great blocker, especially. I think much more of a much would have been a great compliment to Muhammad and and Schoonmaker from the seventeen cycle for Michigan or the eighteen cycle for Michigan. I think deals a little bit more well rounded as a guy with his with his hand down and in the receiving game. So we'll see where they go from here. I know Eric All out of Fairfield, Ohio is a name to watch for sure. Uh, Justin Stevens, a kid out of uh, Troutwood, Madison, Roy Roundtree's old stomping grounds, uh, is a another kid I think they'll probably have up for camp. And, uh, you know, like I said, we'll see what happens there. Speaking of tight ends, we had a question about Sharon Moore and his recruiting prowess, and, and it comes from... Uh, MB1OH, so probably someone from Ohio, who says, heard Washington's name a lot on recruiting trail, including someone that we'll talk about in a moment, Zach Carpenter. How are recruits reacting to Sharon Moore? So Sharon Moore's background, and and he was the recruiting coordinator this past year at Central Michigan. He was their tight ends coach for three or four years. He went to Oklahoma, played offensive line, and then sparingly, if I'm not mistaken, uh, then was GA and then ultimately became an assistant coach at Louisville. I kind of looked at him, based on what I had heard, I kind of thought of him as a, he's going to make an impact next year. You know, he came a little bit late, uh, doesn't necessarily have the, it's not like he was in the heart of Ohio or in some of these regions that, you know, Al Washington has a leg, immediate leg up on. So he was someone that's like learning the ropes and then using the ambition that got him this job on the recruiting trail next year. But Steve, I don't know diddly squat compared to you about recruiting. I guess, what do you think of Sharon Moore? What have you heard so far about his recruiting prowess? I mean, I think, I think a Michigan, I think Michigan fans should be really, really optimistic about the recruiting future with with the, the two new hires, especially, I mean, Warner's actually done a pretty solid job so far as well. Um, haven't heard as much about McElwain yet, you know, receivers like kind of the mystery position right now, as far as recruiting goes, in my opinion, uh, but with more. So I'd, I'd say this about more, you know, we talk about Al Washington probably being the primary reason that Michigan's in the race for, for Zach Harrison, uh, the five-star defensive end. Um, again, if, if Washington's not on staff, I don't really think Michigan's even being considered. Um, and so not only are they being considered, but I, I think they're a legit option. Again, that doesn't mean that he's going to go to Michigan. Just saying that Michigan is a legitimate option and is seriously being considered by Harrison and his family. I think you would say the exact same thing with Moore's job in recruiting 
five-star safety Daxton Hill, who I would say Michigan has a much better. I would much better try to gauge this the right quantity. Yeah, I say much better. I think they have a better shot with Daxton Hill uh, than they do with Harrison, which to me means I think they have a real shot at Daxton Hill. I think Michigan's either one or two there, and that's he's the primary reason for that. Tulsa kid, more went to Oklahoma. Um, great, great job building the connection there. You know, and, and uh, I'm not sure when exactly he'll be back up again, but I do expect him to be back up this summer. And maybe he'll be part of the big official visit weekend in a few weeks. I'm not sure. Um, but no, I think it's one of those things where, you know, we talk about how eight and five was not great for Michigan heading into this cycle, you know, and they, now they have two younger, vibrant, aggressive recruiters that have them in races for five stars that I don't know if they'd really be in these races right now. Otherwise. So, you know, think about, I think about that and then think, you know, say if Michigan does have a nice season this year, you know, 10, 11 wins or more or whatever, you know, that these guys will really start to make a, a massive impact on the recruiting trail. Like I said, I've already think both of them made a great impact, but I think you'll see that really take off. Um, you get where I'm going with that, where it's like they're, they're doing, they're getting them into races when maybe the chips aren't in their advantage. Yeah. Necessarily. I mean, Dax well, that's Hill, what I meant by like the next year kind of thing. Like, I agree. Like they, I, they're, extent, yeah. But they could, they could still like, that's the thing is like, they could still easily, I, I think like they're right in it for Hill for sure. Harrison, who knows? I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things where, I don't know, you feel like, I try to report on a kid like that. I try to like make it as clear as day, like, hey, you know, they're in it, but I'm still not telling you to recalibrate maybe your expectations. Where it's one of those things where it's like he, I think he has legitimate interest in Michigan and Penn State, along with Ohio State. But I, it's just still, at the end of the day, a, a kid that lives 20 minutes outside of Columbus. Uh, you know, it's just if the crystal ball is to ever change on that one, it's going to be a last minute thing. Cause I just don't think anyone's going to accept the fact that he would go anywhere else until it maybe it turn if it does turn out that way, that it is that it's become a certainty that it is going to turn out that way. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah. So, but again, well, Zach Carpenter, I mean, Michigan just beat Clemson for him. He was definitely, I know that's one of the yeah, questions. David on Cook there. asked, was, was Carpenter a take for Clemson? And absolutely. then also, what do you think of Carpenter's game? I'm curious about yeah, that part. Yeah. Clemson doesn't screw around with that kind of stuff from my experience. Uh, I think it's one of the reasons they've recruited the way they have, uh, which is I, Clemson's interesting because they don't always sign like top 10 classes. They're kind of the, I don't want to say exception because they have signed a couple big time classes, but they've just Clemson's really, really good. Like they're one of the school. I put it this way. They're one of the schools that if they offer a guy, I'm usually pretty convinced that the guy's legit because they seem to be very choosy in who they make their scholarship offers to. I already was, I already thought Carpenter was a great fit for Michigan to begin with. Um, I think he's definitely, he's a clear, he's a road grader for sure. I think he's a, perfect fit for Warner. I'm, I'm, you know, there was no doubt Michigan held off for a little bit. I think they wanted to see how some other things shook out, what those other things were. I don't really know because there weren't many other interior guys that they were really recruiting. Uh, I think they should have just gone forward with him the whole time. I think it, they made the right decision by doing so. I think he's a great, he and Rumler. I don't really know how much better Michigan could have done on the interior this cycle with those two guys. Um, 
you know, and now it gives them an opportunity again, kind of a non impact recruit uh, commitment as far as like still trying to finish out with an elite tackle, you know, cause he's a clear interior guy in my opinion. Like I don't, I'd be shocked if he ever played on the outside, um, you know, and so kind of allows them to devote their resources to one more elite guy on the outside. It's starting to feel like Trevor Keegan is kind of the guy that they're really going to want to go strong after and, and make a push for uh, the four star out of Illinois. Uh, I think that's Michigan or Ohio state right now. So, well, but as far as Carpenter's game, yeah, he's just a mean, you know, plays at a big time program at, at Cincinnati Moeller, which again, I think is a great program to get into. If you're Michigan, Al Washington, again, that really was the primary here. Warner played a role with the, as a position coach, but Cincinnati is Al Washington's area. I mean, it's where he just came from. Right. Uh, you know, so nice win for them there. Again, like I said, that's that's a win. That's a straight-up win over Clemson. I mean, I had my crystal ball on Clemson. Uh, so, you know, nice, really, really nice win for them there. But just, a, in my opinion, kind of a throwback, road grader, classic, nothing flashy, First guy to the gym, last guy to leave. I'm kidding about that. <laughs> start listening to a bunch of cliches and stuff like that. But no, really though, I think he's he's an aggressive, strong as heck. I know Wilt Fong posted the story. He's looking to put up 450 on the bench here before in, in a couple weeks. He's Same. going for it or something. Yeah, so that's like <laughs> amazing. So, um, you know, so so definitely like a an earth mover. Okay, earth moving, earth moving commitment. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of Warner, we got a question. We did not go over it before the show, but I think it's I think it's a fair one. And it's it's one that I kind of wonder what your take is to. I have my own ideas and I know our our uh, our colleagues that, you know, work in Ohio, like Bill Green, have their thoughts, too. But Shane Majewski said, I get people are optimistic about Warner's track record, but didn't Tim Drevno have a good track record as well? Simplifying things will help, but just don't know. What went wrong with the Drevno era? What's your opinion? Uh, so real quick, a couple of things. There is a lot of talk this spring about how they're simplifying things. Last year, uh, one week they were inside zone, then they were power run. And, and you know, I think Greg Fry and Tim Drevno may have convoluted the offensive line technique for such a young offensive line. Uh, but Warner was at Minnesota, but before that was a, a star offensive line coach at Ohio State. Regarding Shane's question, um, I guess part one: How does why why should fans believe more in Warner's track record than Drevno's, or should they? And then number two: What what went wrong with Drevno that Michigan can maybe learn from with Warner? Well, that's kind of a it's like a detail-y question. Um, yeah, so the simplification thing, I mean, I think there were a lot of factors that went into Michigan's offensive line underperforming. I don't know if Drevno's departure was uh, the percentage between as far as offensive line like production and also just his role as offensive coordinator too, maybe being underwhelming. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Well, and and thing. I mean, you know, we don't need to dig into all the rumors, but like yeah, people were a lot less satisfied with him as the offensive coordinator than they were as the offensive line coach. But his offensive line did underperform. That was probably the most sour point of the past two years for Michigan's offense. Right. And so I just, 
I, th- I know I could say one thing. I know that the style that Warner has brought to the table has resonated. And I know that's been talked about, but I mean, just on the ground level, his it's more, it is, it's much more of a hard nosed physical approach, you know, and, and maybe more of, and less of the technician, you know, type approach. And I think in the big 10, I think that's something that you're going to want from an offensive line coach. Uh, when you're playing the Michigan States, the Wisconsin's, uh, obviously the Ohio States, you know the the teams that you're you want to beat them in the fourth quarter up front. Not that you don't want to beat the the, op, the opposition in the fourth quarter up front in any other conference, but you know what I'm you get what I'm saying? Where it's like a lot of mash mash ball throughout the game, you know, and it becomes a battle of attrition up front. You know, not throwing the ball 45, 50 times a game in, in a lot of instances. So I think that mentality, uh, I think he's brought that there. I think that's made a difference already for some of the, not just the younger guys, but some of the guys that have been there. So um, as far as what can they learn, I don't know, like stay healthy. Because, like, I think, I still think Grant Newsom's injury hurt them as much as any coach or scheme or whatever. Uh, you know, their O-line was playing really good ball in 16 until when Newsom got hurt. Not that they didn't still play decent ball, but I just think the level of play on the left side went down. That after, was a question after, mark, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, so I, mean, I thought actually, like, going back, I thought Ben Braden really did an admirable job given the position he was throwing. I mean, that's not easy. Uh, to, Switching to move sides to, and position, right? Yeah, you know, I thought he did a decent job, all things considered. Uh, you know, so that's because, yeah, that's that's tough. And uh, so I, don't, I hope that answers the question. I mean, I, I just think – I think really that – I think Warner has done it in the Big Ten. Uh, he's done it, you know, at a school like Ohio. I think there are more instances. I know, you know, every time that Bill Green has written about him on our board, Bill's like the guru in Ohio, uh, as what he – how he piecemealed uh, – I don't even know if that's the right – usage of piecemeal patchwork the patchwork job he did as far as like the guys he turned into a national championship offensive line at ohio state uh former defensive linemen former tight ends like just pieced it together um you know is 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 impressive and and you know there was that edit about all the pros he produced at the college level that people got upset about (laughs) because because he somehow hadn't produced a pro in three weeks on the job at michigan uh you know so right (laughs) <laughs> right. So there's, it's, yeah, Drevno definitely had a track record. I just, well, it, I don't know if the style, if it was a style, I don't know if this is a style thing or, or what, you know, it's really kind of the million dollar question. And and from what I've always gathered, I, I just feel like Warner's style and approach has resonated more with a lot of the guys up front. Yeah. One thing I will say, and this is probably unfair for me to say, but I just looked up, you know, Tim Drevno's track record. It's his track record pre-Harbaugh is not at all comparable to, or his track record away from Harbaugh, because I think they were separated for a year or something too, is not at all comparable to Ed Warner's track record without Harbaugh. And so I don't know. Agreed. I mean, I mean, I don't know if that's a fair thing to say about Drevno, but 
I, I agree with you that what Warner did at Ohio State is more applicable to what Michigan is trying to do than what Tim Dravno did at San Diego to what he did at San, uh, San Francisco and frankly to what he did at Stanford. I mean, it's just like, a you know, they're similar, but it's kind of a different ball game where Stanford, you know, people aren't breathing down your neck, you know, that you didn't produce a pro in three weeks. It's, you know, you, you can get, you can recruit size and developable molds without people freaking out about them being three stars. Uh, I think it was a different setup. I don't think that means that it's like night and day. Again, it's not like Ed Warner's running laps around Tim Drevno, but I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like doing what he did at Ohio State is makes him one of the best offensive line coaches that you could get if you're Michigan. So I mean, if you're brave enough to venture over to the Ohio our Ohio State board i mean there were comments about you know whether or not i uh who's stud i can't remember how you pronounce his name the guy they have over there now you know many fans like kind of yearning for warner oh you know the days of warner uh as far as how he produced up for them up front you know because really yeah ohio state's offensive line was meh, pretty meh the last couple of years at least as it pertains against michigan um you know, so I don't know. I think it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people that have no tie to either program have consistently mentioned it as one of the home run hires of the off season. So yeah, yeah, no, uh, do more. Yeah, do more. Say, say less. less. Hashtag prove it on the field. Yeah, no. So yeah. <laughs> but I think that's all the questions we have for today, and that was a lot. Uh, I think we discussed everything we want to discuss. I think uh, I don't think we're going to have a podcast next week. We'll stay tuned for that. But throughout June, certainly more football talk. Anything basketball related will come up. And I'm sure I have a hunch that over the course of the next three months, there will be some recruiting news to discuss as well. Anyway, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Check out all of our stories at 247sports.com. Uh, but this has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. And hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you next time.